0: hello badger fans and welcome to another edition of bucky's fifth podcast the solo sessions on today's show, we've got plenty of football to talk about. It's been a busy week since the last time we spoke, and there's been a lot of updates that have came from spring football. So we'll start, we'll kind of talk about the leading up to spring football. We'll talk about the Paul Chris presser, kind of talk about anything that he kind of dove into. Of course, a lot of the conversation was a lot of sweet nothings from him, kind of you know being very vague with his answers, but that's kind of the normal Paul Chris mantra Then after that, we'll talk about some spring roster changes. We'll talk about some weight changes, what that kind of means, some position changes, and we'll talk about some other new recruiting stuff as well. Wisconsin picked up a new quarterback commit, so we'll dive into that. And then they threw out a ton of new offers this past week and weekend, and it's been a busy time in that recruiting department now that they've got that finalized with Mickey Turner. So we'll get into all the new offers and what that maybe means for Wisconsin as they move forward here. So a lot of football on this episode, guys, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Basketball season has come and gone. We'll certainly get into some off-season stuff there, but right now the focus is certainly on spring football with with college basketball. But wrapping up this upcoming weekend, you'll have the Final Four and then the National Championship next Monday, and all of a sudden college basketball season is done. And then for those of us that follow Wisconsin sports, kind of moves into a slow time of year, and, and spring football gets a lot of that focus. And then we move into summer where... It's, uh, it's usually kind of a dead period, and we're, we're looking for things to talk about, but we'll get to that bridge when we come to it. We'll start here today with spring football. As I mentioned, Paul Christ kind of starts off spring football and everything that's going on with a big, nice, long presser. If you watched all 40 minutes of it, kudos to you. You are a strong soldier, and I applaud your efforts to get all the Wisconsin football info. But for those of you that didn't want to sit down and watch all 40 minutes of it, we'll we'll kind of give you a wrap-up of everything that was notable and, and kind of stood out uh, from that presser. And I think the most notable thing that we can kind of start with is the final kind of landing spots for a lot of these position coaches. It's been a very busy off season for Wisconsin football in terms of moving things around, a lot of shuffling, but you had to think and, and imagine that this was kind of kind of be finalized and ready to go for spring football and Wisconsin certainly did that. So a lot of new changes here as well. Um, there's some real shuffling even among the guys that we already thought were kind of in place. Uh, Most notably, Chris Herring will move from special teams coach to tight ends coach, and offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram will be the quarterback's coach. There will be no one specific coach specifically assigned to special teams. And when you look at it, is that a blessing? Is that a curse? I I can't imagine that you you can look at this and, and feel comfortable with it. I know Wisconsin football over the past however many years has really struggled in the special teams department. Last year, it was... To be frank, a disaster in that area and to not have one spending specific attention to detail to that area of the game kind of as a Wisconsin fan probably makes you a little nervous. I know myself, I I was hoping to have a dedicated special teams coach. We knew Chris Herring would likely be back in some sort of role. I know there was a lot of people disgruntled about him being back as a position coach at all. But for him, you kind of expected Paul Chris and him go back a long ways. You expected him to be back in some way, shape or form. I don't know if I necessarily saw this move into him turning into that position coach Bobby Ingram taking over a quarterback and then kind of having the special teams group open-ended. So sure there's going to be someone likely paying attention to that. I, they're not just going to have the special teams running wild. Someone will that'll be a huge focus and, and maybe not necessarily the special teams coach title. Someone will be making uh, those decisions but it's it's something that I hope isn't overlooked for this Wisconsin football staff and this Wisconsin football team because it seems like the past few years it kind of has been, and and that's certainly probably not the case. There's probably plenty of attention to detail that goes in the special teams, but the execution, I must say, has been has been pretty poor for years now. So hopefully Wisconsin, when they made that move, has some sort of plan that we're not quite hearing in, in the media and in the fan base. But hopefully that is buttoned up and tightened up because Wisconsin special teams was atrocious last year. and needs to be a lot better this upcoming season if they want to win and compete for football games at a high level. Chris did say that you know they're going to kind of divide this special teams group up among the coaching staff and we'll have a number of coaches to kind of be the lead on each individual unit. They just don't have a specific special teams coordinator. so if if there's no issues and the special teams comes out and executes, I don't think anyone will will bat an eye at it and it'll be great. But if the special teams continue to struggle, I think that's going to be an area that you're going to look to and, and, and say maybe this whole you know kind of by committee approach uh, isn't going to work, but we won't know that until next fall when we finally see this team and this group kind of kick off. Another couple of changes were, of course, to some analysts being added to the group. Mike Caputo, former Badger, Jack Sitchie, former Badger, joining the staff in some sort of capacity. Caputo will be on the defensive side of the ball, while Jack Sitchi, who of course played linebacker, will be on the offensive side. And then also Keller Christ, Paul Chris' son, will be the quarterback's coach as a grad assistant. So you see Bobby Ingram taking over as the offensive coordinator, also going to be working in the quarterback room. But you're going to have a guy like Keller Christ, who, of course, right under Paul Chris and learn from him, can certainly be a big help in that quarterback room as well. So plenty of new and, and intriguing moves overall for this team and this group as they finally kind of get this position coach reshuffling somewhat finalized. So for those of you that have been following the podcast, we've talked about all these position changes moves. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of every position and every position coach now that they finally have started, announced it into spring football, because I think there's been so much moving around. And if you're not a, a listener of the podcast every week or a reader of the site consistently, you may have missed some of these changes. So we'll start on the defensive side of the ball. Paul Chris, of course, is the overall head coach, and then you get into Jim Leonard, defensive coordinator. He also works with the safeties. Hank Poteet, cornerback coach. Bobby April is now the outside linebacker coach and defensive run game coordinator. Bill Sheridan is one of the new coaches coming in at inside linebacker. Same defensive line coach in Ross Kalaji, so that is a A really solid group that's gotten a lot better, and that rounds up the defensive side of the ball. So in terms of big changes, of course, you've got Bill Sheridan, the guy coming in. Bobby April taking a little bit more on his plate. But overall, the defense looking very similar to what it was outside of Sheridan uh, coming in and Bob Bostead moving over to the offensive side of the ball. Speaking of the offensive side of the ball, of course, you start with Bobby Ingram, who will be your new offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. And then you've got Al Johnson, who's taking over the running back coach. Of course, unfortunately for Gary Brown, he's not going to be transitioning to a role kind of off the field with Wisconsin. Uh, Unfortunately, dealing with those health issues still was not going to be able to go in that sort of capacity. So still going to be around the program, which I think is huge for Wisconsin. Gary Brown, a well-spoken guy, really Seem to have an energy around him that the that the running backs and other players bought into. So for him to be a part of this Wisconsin staff in some way, shape, or form, while we don't quite know exactly what it's going to be, I think is huge for Wisconsin football as they move forward. He's a guy a ton of NFL experience, a very well-spoken guy, and clearly has players that have bought into the messaging that he brought in just a short season. So to have him in in that in this Wisconsin staff in some way, shape, or form is going to be great. Of course, you move on down the line now. Elvis Witted still at the wide receiver room. He's done a good job there. Chris Herring will now be the tight ends coach. As I just mentioned, that's one of the new ones. And then the big move, of course, Bob Bostad moving over the offensive line and taking that group over, trying to get some reshuffling and and some improvement there after a, I I guess, a less than ideal season by Wisconsin football standards over the last couple of years uh, under Joe Rudolph, who departed for Virginia Tech. So, now that you've kind of been through this offseason with us that's your final layout in terms of all the position coaches and everybody what they'll be looking for on the field of course the other big move was mickey turner previously the tight ends coach moving over to the kind of the recruiting czar for wisconsin football so plenty of changes but it seems like we've finally got some answers and things are nailed down in terms of the coaching staff now the other thing that i think stood out from this was of course You've got Bobby Ingram, who is your offensive coordinator, going to be taking over as a quarterback's coach with the assistance of Keller Christ. Certainly an interesting spot. He's a guy that's coached the wide receiver room, coached the tight end room. Hasn't necessarily been a quarterback's coach at all on paper, but it seems to be a guy that's been heavily involved in a lot of different offenses. But, in terms of expertise, is that his, his main forte? Probably not, but he's still a well-respected uh, you know, former position coach at the NFL level and, and I think can certainly handle that duty with the assistance of, of a guy like Keller Chris. But I think moving forward, I think the big thing that a lot of people were looking for is who's going to be calling the plays on Saturdays because the last couple of years we've liked to, let's say it, nicely complain about some play calling and we didn't know Was it Joe Rudolph? Was it Paul Chris? Was it a combo? Of course, a couple years ago, it sounded like it was Joe Rudolph and that was kind of the way it was coming out. And then this past year, Paul Chris kind of took it back over. Now you've got a new office coordinator who certainly is going to be a guy that, as the OC, wants to be a part of calling plays. And when asked about that and kind of talking about that, Bobby Ingram had this to say. And I quote, I'm going to call plays, but how does that look in terms of collaborating? I don't really know yet because we're just starting the spring. But Paul has a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience in calling plays, so I'm going to lean on him. What that looks like in real time in a game, I'm not sure yet. So there you have it. I think that's kind of a situation that we haven't seen in terms of you've got the staff finalized, you're getting spring going, and you don't have to have these decisions made quite yet. But you would have kind of expected that maybe these things would be a little bit ironed out in terms of who's going to be calling the plays on Saturdays that's that's a big position it's a big decision to to make of course Bobby Ingram not necessarily a guy that's done that in the past at his previous positions while Paul Chris is certainly a very good play caller in his own right and and has a really good understanding of the rhythm of the game so it sounds like these two have talked about it but there hasn't necessarily been a decision made in what is going to happen it sounds like Bobby Ingram according to him, is going to be calling the plays. But will Paul Chris still have his hand kind of involved in that? I think so. I mean, this off season and, and into the end of last year, we talked about what this coaching staff was going to look like. And we thought you know, maybe some things need to be taken off Paul Chris play, played a little bit. As the head coach, you're overseeing. You kind of have your hand in everything. But to be the quarterback's coach, to be the offensive coordinator, to be the play caller— it seemed like a lot on Paul Chris' plate when you're also kind of, you're trying to be involved in recruiting, you're being involved with the other position coaches. I think defensively, you kind of let Jim Leonard right now, he's the guy and kind of handles that side completely and Chris kind of has involved in the offense, but that was a lot to have on his plate. So to get Bobby Ingram in there and take some of that over is certainly going to be important. But if you're talking about ingram taking over as the play caller and the quarterback's coach that takes off two big duties for paul chris so what does that look like can chris be a little bit more involved with everything else it's certainly possible but that's going to be the storyline to watch for and certainly for badger fans that's what you watch for year in and year out game in and game out we like to complain about the play calling when it's when it's not going well we like to give praise when it is going well certainly more of the the former than the latter but what that whole play calling shift and who's going to be making those decisions on Saturday, it sounds like Bobby Ingram, but it also sounds like they don't quite know what that's going to look like. And they don't have to know that as you're looking into spring right now, you're just getting, you're getting some stuff installed. You're getting some new ideas and some new wrinkles worked out. You're not making any final decisions, you know, on, on March 28th, 2022, in terms of what's going to happen next fall. But I think that was a really interesting tidbit to to make sure to pay attention to. All in all, guys, that was really the big thing that stood out from that presser. So if you are looking for a little bit more info, there is the full 40-minute and 42-second presser from last Monday uh, for Paul Christ that you can go and check out. I will say if you are if you are a busy person and you don't have a lot to do, I think the synopsis of, of what was kind of talked about um, was wrapped up pretty well here on the podcast. But hearing Paul Christ talk for 40 minutes was certainly a surprise as he's not always a man of many words. All right, up next, we've got a little bit of spring football changes in terms of the roster as well, so let's get into that. And really one of the big changes to the spring roster was outside linebacker Ayo Adabogun, who is no longer listed on the roster. So what does that mean for his future? Not really sure. Of course, a promising prospect out of uh, high school, a guy that picked up football very late in his high school career, and transition to a a three-star recruit, but it seems like he is no longer listed on the spring roster. So if we get any further updates in that regard, we'll certainly touch on that. But when you're looking at outside linebacker room, pretty talented room in its own right, and and he was certainly a prospect he wanted to keep an eye on, but maybe some guys in front of him right now uh, causing a stopgap, and we'll see how that situation kind of unfolds in terms of him not being on the spring roster. Certainly uh, news and noteworthy for a guy that was a a big part of his recruiting class just a couple years ago. In terms of other changes, you had some position changes that we'll certainly touch on here as well. Um, Very familiar with this one already, but Dean Ingram, formerly at the cornerback cornerback position, now moving over to wide receiver. Ross Genlinger moving from inside linebacker to outside linebacker. Riley Nowakowski, moving from outside linebacker to fullback. Garrison Saladay, moving from inside linebacker to fullback. And Spencer Lytle, a really interesting one here, moving from outside linebacker to inside linebacker. So, in terms of kind of the impact of what those kind of mean, of course, Dean Ingram, an explosive, speedy player, moving from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball, I think that's a, you know a welcome move when you look at. He's a guy that certainly stood out at the high school level. His dad on the offensive side of the ball. His athleticism is certainly there. He was a very good cornerback, so it's it's a tough one for that. But on last episode, we talked about some of these incoming transfers that have been a big part of this cornerback room coming in that you feel a little bit better about that room. And, and if Ingram can give you something offensively in terms of explosiveness, I think that's a welcome move. The other moves, Ross Gendlinger moving to outside linebacker. Really an interesting one. The, the inside linebacker spot seems a little thin right now but when you look at Lytle moving in that makes a lot of sense as well maybe a little bit of a swap based on how you feel about those guys and 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 those positions certainly aren't interchangeable but if you if you can play one sometimes depending on your size your speedy athleticism you can you move yourself to from inside or out and vice versa so I think the the Spencer Lytle one is certainly a move that I think a lot of people will We'll, we'll want to pay attention to because you look at inside linebacker last episode we talked about who was going to be the guy that kind of stepped up there because you've got a lot to replace you've got jack sanborn you've got leo channell and then the backup and, and really the third inside linebacker of the last couple of years has been mike mascaluna all three of them have departed wisconsin so you were looking for someone to take on that role and we talked about last episode you've got Jake Cheney. you've got others, you've got, you know, Tatum Grass, you've got some guys that you feel comfortable about, but I think it's really interesting to see that Spencer Lytle moving inside to maybe get him on the field a little bit more. Of course, the outside linebacker, you've got Nick Herbig, who is a star on your defense and likely one of your best players in the entire uh, defense side of the ball. He's going to be an established starter, and, and he, it looks to have an even bigger season than what he had last year. But on the other side of him, I think a guy like Spencer Lytle looked to be a guy that was in the running for that second outside linebacker spot. You've got C.J. Getz, who's also in there, and, and maybe he's, he's moving into a starter. But it seemed like you had a situation where a guy like Goetz— Could be uh, a a starter, but you also had Lytle in that mix, and now you're going to have Lytle moving inside. Maybe that's a situation where they felt comfortable with him in there and wanted to get him some opportunity to see the field and not have to have those two maybe splitting reps. So certainly an interesting move. I will note Spencer Lytle, a guy I thought was was really good in coverage, and at the inside linebacker spot, you'll play some coverage, but you're not going to be playing as much as maybe some of those outside linebackers that dropped there, so I think that's an, a move to watch. He's certainly a very athletic, very talented player. Moving inside, will that change it to where his strengths? I think they wouldn't have moved him if they didn't feel comfortable about where he was going in terms of, of the player that he is, so that's an interesting move to watch for and really has an added layer to that inside linebacker room that when you look at it right now, you had guys that you felt good about, and Jordan Turner, Tatum Grass, Muma Injung maybe Jake Cheney, but for have Spencer Lytle now in there, he could be a guy that should immediately probably be considered in one of those starting spots. I mean, if you if you line up a, a Jordan Turner and Spencer Lytle starting inside linebacker, I would not be surprised at all if that's the group that you saw uh, to get things going. But there's still going to be some competition there. But Lytle is a, a highly regarded uh, player as a redshirt junior. Going to be a guy that probably steps in and really gets some starting con- consideration right out of the jump. Other than that, though, position changes. Really good to see some fullbacks back in the mix. Of course, you had a couple departures in that room. So to be picking up a guy like Garrison Saladay in there and Riley Nowakowski, probably get, you're going to be your starter. Uh, certainly a, a fun spot to look for there. He's a, a, he's a guy that can be very physical. Both of them, I think, can be prospects at that level. But you needed to see somebody shift there at some point, and you finally have got Wisconsin who have moved two guys to that fullback room. So that will be an important position to watch for after the departure of of one of the, uh, a great Wisconsin fullback in John Chennault. So that will be interesting to see who kind of comes out of spring football with the leader in the clubhouse. In terms of who's getting the starting reps at that position. Speaking of backfield news, there's been some updates in terms of the running back room and who will be available for spring football. Uh, and three Wisconsin running backs, guys that have been in the mix for, for a couple years now, and, and a new transfer in Trez Malusi. Neither of these guys will none of these guys will be available for spring. So you're looking at Isaac Arendo, still doubt, battling with some injuries. Of course, Malusi got injured end of last year and did not return. He will not be in there for the spring, and Brady Shipper not practicing in the spring. So when you look at that's pretty significant chunks of the Wisconsin backfield. Now, of course, you've got Braylon Allen. He's your go-to guy. He's your star on the offensive side of the ball that you're going to lean on. There's going to be guys that are competing for other carries behind him. Now, Chez Malusi was a really nice one-two punch with Braylon Allen whenever he's good to go, but we don't know the extent of his injury, if it's just going to be out for the spring, if it's going to be into the fall, who knows the timetable of his return. So when he's not out there, it's going to give, and, and Isaac Grando's not out there, Brady, Brady Shipper's not out there either. That gives a lot of opportunities to some other guys. You look at you know guys like Jackson Acker, and, and really the one that we're going to all be watching for and, and kind of waiting on the last couple of years, Julius Davis, really didn't get much run last year. And can he be a guy that makes that jump and, and finally competes for a spot because, Similar to Isaac Rendo, a kind of guy that we've been waiting on and waiting on and waiting on. Is it finally time for them to to get a step up and, and maybe come become that running back one? Because you've got your starter. You've got your guy that you feel comfortable with going into the season, but you need to have some depth behind him. You can't go into the year without having a, a one-two you know, a comfortable uh, spot that you're feeling good about. So I think that's going to be a, a position to watch for. With some guys not getting reps, it creates some opportunity for some other guys, and hopefully they can take advantage of it. All right, last but not least from updates in spring football, you've got roster weight changes. Now, you would think, does that really matter? Does it not? But I think I speak for a lot of people, seeing that first spring roster, you go through, you scroll, you kind of look at the different weights, who's, who's gained weight, who's lost weight, who's made position changes. And a lot of those, while it may not seem super significant, I think is, is certainly telling of where these players are developing for their future. So in terms of weight game, a couple guys really stood out. I think one that really stood out was Jake Rotsloff. It looks like put on 14 pounds at that inside linebacker position up to 220. We just talked about it. You've got some inside linebacker reps available. Jake Rotsloff is a guy that was incredibly athletic coming out of high school, a guy that Wisconsin fans really should be excited about. And you know him putting on a little bit of weight to add to that athleticism to create some opportunities at that inside linebacker spot is certainly a guy that you could look for. And I think... Maybe a dark horse for one of those starting inside linebacker spots. He's incredibly athletic, incredibly talented, and as long as he's up to speed schematically, I think he's a guy that could certainly work into the fold. Maybe you go with some other guys early in the season, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jake Rotzloff is a guy that's competing for some reps uh, down the road here. Another one that really stood out on the offensive side of the ball, Rodley Malman put on another 12 pounds, so 312, adding to that frame. When you look at a four-star guy out of high school, a guy that Wisconsin's really high on, that shuffling of the offensive line room, maybe not a guy that's going to be starting in your in your top five, but a guy that's in the two deep, and then when he gets his opportunity, I think physically he seems like a guy that's getting to be to the point where he's going to be ready to really make some steps and make some strides. So I think him putting on a little bit more to that frame is certainly something to pay attention to. Another one on the opposite side of the ball, quarterback Graham Mertz, that says he's down to 216, which is 11 pounds lighter than where he was at that 225 mark for him. You know, maybe getting a little lighter, trying to get a little bit more mobile, trying to get a little bit more zip on the ball. So to be down to 216 is certainly a standout chunk for him as well on the opposite side of the ball. And speaking of quarterbacks, Deacon Hill was another guy that put on another 14 pounds, so up to 262. Uh, he's always been a guy with a really big, solid frame at that uh, quarterback position. A uh, good size quarterback, putting on another 14 pounds is as is, is significant in terms of strength for him as well. He's a guy to watch for. Probably not this year when you look at you've got Graham Merce. He's going to be your go-to guy, but who's your backup in there? Is it Deacon Hill? Is it you know a guy being pushed by uh, you know someone like Miles Burkett? I think it's gonna be a guy like Deacon Hill and seeing him put on, you know, another fourteen pounds of muscle to that frame is something that I think Wisconsin fans can be excited about for the future. A couple more defensively here as well. I think one that really stood out was defensive end Mike Jarvis putting on another 16 pounds. He's up to 290 now at the defensive end spot. He's not going to be a guy that I think will be in in the rotation this year. You've got Isaiah Mullins. You're going to have to be finding a a replacement for a guy like Matt Henningsen, but I think Mike Jarvis is probably a guy that's a year away behind, you know, the Gio Paez, the Rotus Johnson, those type of guys. But come next year, if Mike Jarvis can continue to learn the system, put on weight, I think he's got the athleticism to really be a guy that you look for in the future. So that's a a really interesting note for him at the defensive end spot. Similarly, on defense, CJ gets down 11 pounds, 232 pounds now at outside linebacker. For him, trying to maybe get a little bit more agile, a little bit more mobile to come off the edge at that outside linebacker spot. We just mentioned him in terms of a guy that likely could be your second starter at that spot, especially when you see Spencer Lytle shifting inside. I think now you're going to see a situation where Getz is probably the guy that you're going to want to go with outside linebacker um, along with Nick Herbig. So that's a, a spot to watch for as well. The final one that really stood out to me was tight end Cole Dokovic putting on 21 pounds of muscle according to the latest spring roster up to 260. Looking at the tight end room, there's going to be some production that needs to be replaced in Jake Ferguson. A guy like Jack Eschenbach is certainly going to likely be the odds-on favorite to start. But you're looking at Wisconsin – they roll with one, two, three, sometimes four tight ends that you could see getting quality game reps there. So Cole Dokovic is a guy. Could certainly be a guy you're, you're looking at to pay attention to at the tight end room, or does he shift to a, a different position at some point? Who knows, but certainly a, a significant addition to that frame at 260 and, and already got plenty of height in that room as well. All right, guys, that wraps up really everything in terms of spring football changes, but we still got plenty to talk about on the football side in terms of recruiting. We've got a lot of new offers and a new commitment to discuss. But before we do that, I've got to talk to you guys about homefieldapparel.com. Of course, March Madness is all but wrapping up, but that doesn't mean you don't have to shy away from picking up some new college basketball gear. Specifically, if you're, of course, our our beloved St. Peter's, was knocked out of the tournament by North Carolina, but if you're looking to pick up a Peacock Nation shirt, a Strut of Destiny, they did come through with a new collection of St. Peter's gear, and they also just finished up Big New Saturday Season 3, which includes two Final Four teams, of course, in Villanova and Kansas. They've also got a collection for North Carolina, so if you're looking to root against Mike Krzyzewski and rooting rooting for anyone but Duke, go pick up a Villanova shirt, go pick up a Kansas shirt, Go pick up a UNC shirt and let's make sure Coach K does not bow out in terms of a national championship. Let's make sure he gets bounced from the tournament on his uh, pathetic farewell tour. I think you guys can hear some animosity in my voice, but make sure to go over and check them out, homefieldapparel.com. A ton of new collections from them. They just wrapped up big new Saturday season three, as I mentioned. Also got some Wisconsin gear on their site, so go over and check that out, homefieldapparel.com. Alright, plenty of new things to get to in terms of recruiting and one of the big news things out of the 2022 class was the addition of preferred walk-on two-star quarterback Marshall Howe out of Los Angeles. He played at Avon Old Farms High School and he will be committing to Wisconsin as I mentioned as a preferred walk-on. So he'll be joining that 2022 class and uh, of course previously part of that class was Miles Burkett. He's already on campus and now Marshall Howe will be filling out that quarterback room as well. So Really, when you look at this situation, kind of an interesting prospect for Wisconsin fans to keep an eye on. Of course, a late addition to 2022 group. Miles Burkett, a lot of that class already on campus for spring football. But this is a guy that's going to join that group. And what he brings, I guess I'm not really sure. It's kind of a pop-up. COVID kind of messed up his original senior season. He didn't get to showcase a lot of his talents in that 2021 class. He comes in. 6'1", 195. rated as a two-star quarterback they have him is the number 228 quarterback in the country and the number 15 player out of Connecticut it appears that he had some scholarship offers from Davidson, Eastern Illinois and multiple Big 10 schools kind of kicked the tires as a preferred walk-on spot so he's kind of had a an odd jump football and in covid and we've talked about it ad nauseum on this on this podcast that it's really an interesting situation with some of these COVID guys in terms of places that were originally shutting down football and then transferring and moving on. That can really affect the recruitment of some of these players and the rating. If you don't get stuff on tape, it's hard to be evaluated in any in any decent form. And a two-star um, ranking doesn't necessarily re- reflect on, on poor rankings or anything like that. It's just sometimes there's a tough environment for some of these players and, and recruitment can kind of come on later than some people expect. Just to clarify, Marshall Howe is a player that is originally from Los Angeles, but he currently is doing a postgraduate year in Connecticut because COVID took away his fall season in 2022, which would technically have been his senior year. He decided to find a way to kind of take that second senior season up and they didn't finish up until late November. So that was really when a lot of colleges were Wrapping up their final 2022 classes. So if you want to get a good read up on what kind of the situation is with Marshall Howe, go over to Rivals.com. Mitch John McNamara had a really good write up on kind of the situation there. Because it is a weird kind of time to be bringing in a 2022 quarterback. But when you look at a situation with the, the cancellations, he's a guy that, who knows, maybe could turn out into more as a player. So in terms of the production that he might get from him at the quarterback's position, hard to know right now when you look at it. he's had so many changes, he's had some bouncing around, still been productive at the high school level, but when you have you know, a COVID year kind of take away and like I mentioned, you don't get the chance to be evaluated at, at some level compared to other players, that can sometimes create a situation where maybe it, it blends into a diamond in the rough type of player and, and just wasn't a guy that got highly evalu- evaluated at the high school level and certainly a, a thing that I think Wisconsin is smart to take a flyer on because it's kind of a, a, a win-win where he gets an opportunity to prove himself at the Division One level, and Wisconsin maybe takes on a player that wasn't super highly recruited at the Division One level but maybe could blossom into more. So a nice pickup for the Badgers in that 2022 group. We'll see how quickly he can get into the fold, but certainly not a situation where – he has to be on campus right away and, and competing for a starting spot. You want him in there for spring, for development's sake, but really he's a guy that you're going to look to you know years down the road as a potential player at Wisconsin, and, and hopefully he can come into the Badgers, learn and develop, and, and see what he can turn into. So that should be the final player in that 2022 group. I guess it's not completely buttoned up, even though signing day was uh, months ago. But overall, Marshall Howe adding to that group and finalizing, I think, the 2022 group overall. But in terms of offers and other things that have gone out, there's been plenty to get to in the 2023 class and the 2024 group. We'll start kind of in order that we had a write-up on Bucky's fifth quarter because that's easiest on my end. We'll start with 2023 wideout Caden Lee out of Atlanta. Was recently offered by Wisconsin. Got a ton of offers to his name. Seems to be a guy that could stick around in the in the southern area of Florida, Florida State, Ole Miss, South Carolina. Also got some offers from Auburn, Georgia, LSU. 247 rates him as a four-star prospect, sitting as a guy that certainly could develop into more, got some good speed to him, caught uh, 54 passes for 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns last season as a junior. So will Wisconsin be able to keep in that running? It's going to be a tough one. You look at offensive positions, he's certainly a guy that's been highly recruited by some other spots and and can be a guy that could jump to those, but we'll certainly keep an eye on that as we move forward. Up next is 2024 cornerback Emilio Agard out of St. Joe's Prep. He has received some offers from the Badgers. He has received an offer from Wisconsin recently. Also has some a pretty good collection of offers already. Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Miami, and Penn State. The Nittany Lions appear to be the early favorite, but there's a long way as a guy from the 2020 2024 group could be a a guy that Wisconsin kind of keeps the name in and tries to work away to Wisconsin, but it's going to be kind of a harder and harder one to win when you look at prying players from the state of Pennsylvania away from the Penn State school uh, is certainly a tough one to land. But he's an incredibly fast, athletic player that Wisconsin, if they can work their way into that 2024 offer, could be a guy that would be uh, an exciting one to land, but tough. Gonna get, like I said, gonna be tough to pry him away from Penn State. Up next in terms of offers is 2024 defensive lineman Justin Scott out of the Chicago area Saint Ignatius Prep. Certainly a guy that Wisconsin had to offer. A fast rising sophomore got a ton of offers already from Cincinnati, Illinois, Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, Missouri, Tennessee, and a handful of others. He's a guy that Wisconsin certainly has to throw their name in the ring, a guy close to your area in the Chicago land area. Standing at 6'5", 310 pounds, currently rated as a 5-star uh, offensive lineman by On3 and the number 1 defensive lineman in the entire country. 247 has not ranked him yet, but it's likely that he'll be, you know, a high 4-star, low 5-star type of kid, if not higher. And he's going to be a guy that is highly sought after from that Chicago land area. Very quick, very athletic, very strong. Going to be an offer list that grows considerably. As I mentioned, there's already a ton of offers in there, but not a lot of the Blue Bloods have gotten in there yet. They certainly will be in that fold as well. Wisconsin, like I mentioned, very close there. Has to throw in an offer. Can they compete at this situation? That would be a tough one, but certainly a one that they'd welcome. Anytime you can land a five-star defensive lineman, you're going to have to at least take your shot up next is 2023 Edge Hunter Clegg out of American Fork, Utah. He's got a guy. He's a guy that's got plenty of offers from schools out West, BYU, USC, Utah, UCLA, but also schools down south like Auburn and LSU. He's a guy, he's a guy that's originally from the Ohio area, so it certainly makes sense that some Big 10 schools would get involved. Maybe he's interested in returning back to Big 10 country incredibly efficient pass rusher good burst and a guy that just seems to be involved if you watch his huddle tape kind of has his nose right in every play so a guy that wisconsin certainly is going to be uh wanting to keep an eye on will they be able to win that out it seems like a pretty wide open uh, race right now a lot of schools out west a lot of schools down south and certainly his ties to the midwest make it hard to really give you any sort of crystal ball prediction right now on where he might land all right, up next, we got four more offers to keep going running through. Uh, this past Saturday was a busy weekend of talented guys that Wisconsin was able to make some offers on. A couple in state guys we'll talk about at the end, but we'll start here with 2023 interior offensive lineman James Durand out of Chandler, Arizona. That's a place that Wisconsin has certainly recruited uh, pretty well and, and went into, try to get a footprint there established. He's out of Basha High School and received offers from Wisconsin on Saturday. But he's got other offers from Arizona, BYU, Cal, Iowa State, San Diego State, Utah, and a handful of other. He comes in, kind of plays mostly defensive tackle, but he shows the ability to pull kind of a second level and drop back at that linebacker position. So really he could be a guy that moves around depending on his size, athleticism, but certainly could be a, a player to watch for and and someone that could certainly grow into Uh, A starter at the Power 5 level and and where he ends up in terms of position-wise could really dictate just how successful he is, but a physical athletic player that Wisconsin will certainly want to keep involved in. Next up is 2024 defensive end Eddie Turek out of LaGrange, Illinois, Lyons Township High School. He earned for a Badger for an offer from the Badgers on Saturday as well. Got a bunch of offers already, including Cincinnati, Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and others. Right now, it looks like the Hawkeyes are the favorites. Considered the favorites early as he's taken four visits to Iowa City, but there's plenty of time left in that 2024 group. He's a guy that Wisconsin... Anytime you're going up against Iowa, you want to win those battles. It seems like it's going to be a tough one to win over, but you want to get in on those competitions early and maybe make a late push and try to flip him when you've got you know, a, you know plenty of time before he's making a commitment. Minds can certainly change, despite the Hawkeyes being the early favorite in that situation. Up next in the 2024 group is offensive tackle Ben Roebuck out of Lakewood, Ohio. He's a blue-chip prospect with plenty of offers already. You've got schools like Kentucky... Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Tennessee, among others. It seems like a guy that's going to end up at Ohio State, even though they haven't had an offer to him yet. But certainly Wisconsin wants to get in that fold and try and make an impact anytime you're going for four-star offensive lineman. I think Wisconsin always has a chance in those battles and and certainly a guy that you would want to keep going forward. Comes in at 6'7", 320 pounds already. So he could probably step in and play at the Division One level based on his size, right away I mean just a very big kid already dominating due to his size and as he molds into an even bigger player and and more physical player as he gets into that you know it's just the 2024 kid certainly going to be a prospect that could probably jump up from a four-star guy into a five-star as the physicality and athleticism continues to grow. All right, so we've wrapped up those guys. A lot of those offers that we just mentioned, certainly ones that we want to talk about, Wisconsin threw them out, and they want to be a part of those groups. And and who knows, maybe they'll land some of those players. The likelihood of them landing a couple of them, probably pretty good, but you never know. There's certainly a lot of other schools involved. When you're recruiting at this high level, no guarantees in any way, shape, or form but you want to really land the in-state kids. So the next two offers that we're going to talk about are two guys that are from the same school and in-state players that you really would like to win in terms of battles. Up first, 2024, four-star running back Corey Smith out of Waukesha, part of Catholic Memorial High School, earned an offer from the Badgers over the weekend. He's got plenty of offers already, Central Michigan, Iowa State, Kansas, Nebraska, Purdue. He also in the mix, and Wisconsin wanted to get in that mix as well. When you look at it, he's a player... Coming in six foot 175, also one of the top players in the class of 2024 for Wisconsin. Rivals has him as a four star, 247 doesn't have him rated yet, but it's probably fair to assume that he's going to be one of the top players in Wisconsin. And like I mentioned, this is the kind of player that Wisconsin needs to keep at home. This 2024 class looks to be the next big one for Wisconsin that you want to pay attention to. This past year, we've talked about it quite a few times on this podcast. Maybe a little bit disappointing when you took at the last few classes. The border of Wisconsin has been won and dominated by the Badgers, uh, relatively speaking, over these last three classes until this past one, where you saw some really good in-state talent leave the border to other schools, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State. So the Badgers, in terms of top targets, ones that realistically they could land and realistically they need to land, a player like him is certainly one in Corey Smith that you can't lose out on and you're talking about a recruiting staff that's finally getting going this should be one of the top prospects on their list and one that you frankly there's a battle you can't lose when you look at you've got a long history of dominating running backs from inside the state if he was able to get out of Wisconsin certainly he has to want to be there as well that's a huge part of it but you want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward to a land a player of his caliber because these are the battles Wisconsin wants to have continued success these are ones that you've got to win. And speaking of players you've got to keep in the state and need to win on, 2024 four-star offensive tackle Donovan Harbor, also out of Waukesha Waukesha and Catholic Memorial High School, also received an offer from the Badgers this past weekend. He's got other offers, like I mentioned as well, Central Michigan, Iowa State, Kansas, Nebraska, and Syracuse. But he's been to Wisconsin twice, and there isn't actually a prediction from rivals uh, that has Wisconsin as the winner after they've officially offered. So it's a battle you want to win for his talent's sake, you know, a four-star offensive lineman. But he's also paved the way for the previous props that we talked about in Corey Smith. So could he come to Wisconsin and pave the way for him in the future? Certainly could also be a guy that you put on your recruiting hat if you land and make a decision in Wisconsin to try and influence other players in the state. He's a guy that... Could be one of the top linemen in the country. country, Really probably could be the number one player in the state. And it'll be interesting to see where Wisconsin gets him if he does land. So that's really the two big names. I mean, all these offers are certainly offers that Wisconsin wants to be competitive and win. But when you're looking at it, the realistic ones that you've got to have circled as a fan that you're going to want to pay attention to in terms of their recruitment. You know, Ben Harbor and Corey Smith are the two guys that should be top of the list. And I know they're part of that 2024 group, and that's still a ways away. But this 2023 group is going to come up fast, and 2024 is going to be a very big and important class for the Badgers. Those two that we just mentioned are, are guys that are you know, going to be top two, top three players in the state of Wisconsin for that group that Wisconsin will certainly want to keep within their home state. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed listening in on some spring football updates, some new recruiting news. As football kind of dominates the newscape for us, uh, for the next couple months here and weeks with spring football, and then into kind of the dead season of college athletics as a whole for us at Buckeyes with Quarter, but we'll still certainly bring you guys plenty of episodes, plenty of content as we kind of shift into some more off-season stuff. We'll have some interviews, we'll have some hypotheticals, we'll do some mailbags. We'll still have plenty of stuff to bring to you guys on the podcast front. As always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.